That's right, friends. Union Craft Brewing is 10 years old, and we're glowing with excitement to announce that our annual celebration is back. Come one, come all, to throw down once again for one night only to help us mark the milestone. This year, we're doing it up in Neon. Neon has the atomic number of 10 and lends itself to the kind of visual stimulation we love to party with. Get your Neon Brew Crew ready to eat, drink, and dance the night away. This year, we've invited two very special guests to help you do just that. All the way from Nigeria, West Africa, we're thrilled to welcome Femi Kuti and Made Kuti and the Positive Force Band. The son and grandson of Afrobeat legend Fila Kuti, Femi and his son Made carry the torch of this music and will be sure to make you shake it up to their hot grooves and positive message. Also, Fred Armisen has made us laugh more than we can count. From his work on SNL to his send-up of Hipsterdom in Portlandia, Fred is coming to the brewery to DJ for us on the main stage and create a dance party that you will not likely soon forget. Of course, there will be beer. So much beer. Classics, sours, lagers, barrel-aged beers from our workshop by the Union Series, new collabs, and other special anniversary beers will be pouring a plenty. Get your tickets and save the date. 10 years. Can you believe it? 10 years? Seriously? Um, let's glow. Tickets are available at unioncraftbrewing.com. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Today, I am interviewing a Philadelphia-based artist, illustrator, and writer. Please welcome MK Cummins. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I put it, I was like expecting to hear crowd noise for some reason. Everything comes in post. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In post, I anticipate a large standing ovation crowd response. Oh, it would be stadium, whistles. Stadium level, Super Bowl, halftime, yeah. I will cut out all the cat calls from this like 1991 <laughs> uh, studio audience sound effect. Perfect. Or it could just be like a, um, like a Springer you know, like a, ooh, like one of those. That would be fun. I would, that would that's be great. My, my vibe. That's going to be my walkout music. My hype music is just Jerry Springer audience reaction. I want like the 96 Bowls like intro music or what have you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fun stuff. So give us the, the vital stats or what have you. I like to like, obviously, I was very brief in describing your background or what have you, but mm -hmm. give us those vital stats. Uh, describe your work and your creative background educations. Uh, you know, some little, some, some Parsons in there. Who so give, am I? What yeah, do who? I do? <laughs> yes. Um, sure. Okay. Well, I'm a visual artist and I live in Philadelphia. Uh, I went to, um, okay. So my background, um, I am pretty much a lifelong creative. I went to uh i left public school at the second half of eighth grade and ended up going to like a creative sort of alternative art e kind of high school in philadelphia um and i and i felt very encouraged there to make to make and create uh and that was probably it probably a life-saving experience um and then i went through some toughy times as a teenager but eventually made my way to parsons in new york where i studied illustration and then I had some more toughy times <laughs> as an adult. Uh, and I checked myself into a treatment center. Uh, and I've been sober for the past seven and a half years. And during that amount of time, I actually lived in Baltimore. That is where, um, <laughs> yeah, I, know, I feel like you don't know that about me. But that's, yeah, when you when you reached out, I was like, hey, Baltimore. Um, so I, uh, I went to treatment outside of Annapolis. And then I lived in Baltimore for about three years and sort of started my 
real career um in like 2014 ish uh I just started like showing little bits here and there locally in Baltimore and like meeting other artists and creatives um and doing little like you know little like basement whatever shows or like friends that needed flyers that kind of stuff yeah um and so anyway I moved back to Philadelphia where I'm from in 2017 um so I've been back here about four years ish or was it 2016 whatever I've been here for a little while um mostly what I do now is uh I'm a painter and an illustrator those are my primary mediums uh you know primary focuses so um my painting is uh sort of like a really surreal poppy saturated um you know imaginative whimsical world uh it's really hard to describe your own work which is funny because I I like you know I have to all the time and I have to write artist statements and all that but on the spot I'm just like I I don't know you've seen it what do you think (laughs) Um, I at least it's better than I do shit you know (laughs) well I do though I mean yeah that's I do shit I do shit and people seem to enjoy it um so yeah my fine art practice is uh, I do a lot of mixed media stuff. Mm-hmm. I work digitally. I work in acrylics um, and, you know, so other traditional mediums. Um, and I was really focused on portraiture for a long time mm-hmm. and sort of um, stretching and playing and uh, finding like interesting sort of surreal ways to m- make people um, and present people. And then I got really bored doing that. And I felt like my I felt this like intense pressure to have something to say uh, with my art. And so I I think that the last couple of years in particular, um, like sort of in a a COVID or post COVID world or whatever, that has become less important to me because I think that there's, I don't have anything to contribute um, that I think would really help anyone in that way. And I feel like we're so, uh, it's coming at us from all sides all the time. And as an artist, I, it isn't helpful to me. It's not cathartic to like make heavy work all the time. And like the portraiture I was doing, I felt this intense pressure to have something to say, you know, and and, and like, and um, make meaningful deep work and have like analogies for everything. (laughs) And like, I mean, I just was telling the story the other day, but um, the, the turning point for me, uh, was I, I, um, I was making this series about where I was like processing this sexual assault that happened to me and I abandoned it halfway through because I just reached this sort of like, what the hell am I doing moment? Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) why? Like for who is this? Who is this for? Is it for me? Is it helpful? Like, why do I feel like artists have to be political or, you know, like I am a political person by nature. Therefore anything I make is like an extension of that. Um, anyway, that's a really long-winded answer, but today what I'm doing mostly is much more playful, fun, lighthearted stuff. I'm doing a lot more character design work, a lot more sort of going back to my roots and doing, you know, illustration, concept art and things that make me smile and bring me joy. So, yeah. That's, that's the second time I've heard that today of doing things that make you smile and bring you joy. And I think that's absolutely something that 
we we need and we should value and acknowledge more yes. of especially now everything yeah. sucks people aren't working i can't yeah. get my i can't get my food as quickly as i would want curse uh -huh, you uh -huh. <laughs> um, no but it, it's it's a thing and sometimes you run into what someone is doing like i remember there was an interview i had with uh with devin allen and he was talking about like how like sometimes with the photography that he's doing mm -hmm. he's like well people don't want the black part in there for some reason mm -hmm. and they don't mm -hmm. want the things that's naturally already baked in there mm -hmm. it's like they all appreciate what you're able to put out the work yeah. but not necessarily yeah. like what goes into the work and you know when doing this I I kind of juggle this idea sometimes. It's like, why am I having this person on? Because mm. in doing this season, right, I'm mm -hmm. extending outside of purely Baltimore and bringing in just other cities that like, oh, cool. I came across your work. Cool. Yeah. Let me learn more about your yeah, work. Let yeah. me learn more about you. And I know I'm going to hear some shit. Like, why are you doing mm -hmm. this? I enjoy it. And I think it's interesting to, to talk with people, learn about what they're dealing and how they're yeah. dealing. It's been a... It's been a shit two years. It really has. I mean, it really has. And I also, I, uh, I was, I was at a friend's house recently, who's another painter and she had a couple other creatives over and we were like talking about this idea that, uh, you know, art doesn't necessarily need to be like an exorcism. It doesn't have to be, <laughs> nice. um, <laughs> this painful process. Uh, you know, you can process things in a way that doesn't cause more pain. Um, and the past couple of years, it's just been a lot of pain and loss and grief and yeah. And, uh, I, I, I feel if I can, um, get a little personal. So like as a, you know, a queer person, as a gender nonconforming person, um, you know, like so much of my waking life is spent kind of considering that or just, just living in it, just living in it. And sure. it, it's not, it's not, it's not like I'm, you know, I, I rank relatively high on the privilege scale. Like I'm a white person and I'm like, I'm presenting enough that it doesn't, it doesn't like, uh, doesn't get in the way of things yeah. the way that it does for other people, obviously. However, you know, everybody's got their shit and it, and it does get in the way <laughs> internally and, and it's a process and blah, blah, blah. So like, I, just was like, am I supposed to, am I supposed to make my entire identity? Um, like, am I supposed to carry that through in like a conscious way when I'm making work or is this my opportunity to just escape is not the right word, but like, I, it's the least interesting thing about me. You know, it's just a part of me, like, just like being an addict is a part of me, just like any of the other sort of things, the big things, they mm -hmm. aren't like, they aren't the, they aren't the most important thing. They're just parts of, of who I am. And so I don't necessarily need to make my, I don't need to self-express in a way that like hits everyone over the head with the fact that I am all of these things. Yeah. Um, I need to take, you know, take time away from it and process other stuff. And, um, and I think a lot of people have felt that shift happen the past couple of years. Uh, I have another friend who was like a representational artist and he's like making these abstracted, like digital, really cool things. Um, very, you know, a, a true departure from what he was doing because he just was like, I don't need to put anything else real, <laughs> like realistic out into the world right now. Right. That is just not, not where I'm at. Yeah. I, I, I remember 
it was a conversation with someone I was was speaking with, and I was you know on occasion if someone is on the bubble mm-hmm. of do I really want to talk with them? How challenging is this going to be? Because mm-hmm. you know, and I've been a little bit more like I've been turning down more interviews recently of mm-hmm. like nah, I think I'm all set, and. It was just one person I remember talking to, and it was just like, yeah, you know, it's a queer artist. It's a queer mm-hmm. artist. It's like, mm-hmm. everything had that. And I was like, I feel like that's all you have to offer, though. Oh, yeah. Queer people can be horrible just like anybody else. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> but it, and it's like, yo, it's like me saying as a black artist, as a black artist, or as uh-huh, a podcaster yeah. or whatever, it's like, what else do you have? Do you like cello? Do you enjoy yeah, cheesecake? Like, right. what is your, your other thing? Doesn't, I mean, I find that uh, tedious and exhausting to have to answer as as a as a fill in the blank you know like as a fill in the blank whatever you know like as me as a human being here are my thoughts and feelings what what Um, is the commonality that we have and it makes it a challenge for someone who's like coming up with questions to like try to be like interested if you have just the one thing it's like i'm not qualified to speak with you then (laughs) yes well oh, oh yeah i mean yeah and like you know that's not to say that there isn't uh a a you know, a real value in learning about other people's experiences Absolutely. and like letting, letting that, you know, leaving room for that. It's just that, um, as creative people, if we're going to go there as, as blank, as a creative person, like, I don't know. I think, I think we, as a society put too much pressure on, um, creatives, on celebrities, on mm. people who are sort of like in the spotlight a bit. Mm. Um, people who like speak for something. I think we put this really unnecessary pressure for people to be smart, have it all figured out, be our, our political leaders. Like it's a bizarre thing that has come out of this, of like 20th century, you know, um, celebrity culture and, and, and this bizarre like hero worship. Um, and like as a creative person, obviously I'm not like, you know, in, in a spotlight in some sort of major way, but even just in the little, little like, you know, whatever, whatever cloud I have from, from social media, whatever, like that feels too much at times, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, it's a small bubble, but like, even in that small bubble, I feel a bizarre pressure to, um, you know, stand for something or speak for something or like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange. I think the thing, I think whatever it is that you feel like you need to speak for, it will resonate with you. Like the, mm-hmm. I guess the genesis of this podcast came out of, I'm getting tired of people talking shit about Baltimore. And then yeah. it was kind of like, I'm getting tired of people talking shit about cities that have a quote unquote bad reputation oh, sure. or communities that have a bad reputation. I mean, Philadelphia is, you know, not, not too dissimilar from that. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll leave on, on this before I go to this next question. Um, I had this observation I'm still kind of playing with, but it goes back to this kind of celebrity culture thing you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I think with whatever we have is mm-hmm. celebrities, right? Or mm-hmm. there is this sentiment of, of jealousy or, Hey, let me get that. I need that. But it's also this idea that you've given up your humanity. So we don't yeah. owe you that. And, oh, you're a celebrity. Deal with it. Oh, you're, ce- oh, you had mental health issues or you had mental health challenges. Oh, you got money. Fuck that. Throw that, throw yeah. money at it. And it's really odd to me. And I've been kind of like aware of this for probably about, about 10 years. And it just gets more pervasive, I think, as we go sure. along. And no one really checks it. We, we just started now caring about mental health concerns and things of that nature. But it's like, no. People have been well, on some shit for a while. Yeah, and I think to that end, people feel really entitled to your personal struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know, we don't need to necessarily open up this can of worms. But what what I think you're sort of 
circling around is is that we you know everything is uh, everything is capital everything relates to capitalism everything is about uh you know con- how to uh market to everybody and so you know like mental health uh i have a real real resentment towards um like the consumer aspect of like radical self-care and positivity and like just all that stuff just yeah. feels it's not just that it's disingenuous it's like um i think it's having an adverse uh, i think it's having negative effects it's doing the opposite of what it's sort of claiming to do mm-hmm. and um yeah i i, I just it, it feels very sad to me that it's like you can't you can't win like okay so we want people to be honest about their mental health struggles and we mm-hmm. want to see it because we find it relatable but also when you are um we feel entirely entitled to ridicule that person mm-hmm. um like the, mo- the the best example i can think of is like britney spears is a great example of that mm-hmm. um and like this is someone who's you know uh struggles have been very very public and we and like oh, we want her to be free and we want her to have a life. But then once she is, if we don't like the way she's behaving, then we want to just like, mm-hmm. you know, destroy her all over again. Um, or, you know, even like Kanye, like people who are just struggling, like we can't, we can't get enough of um, just being awful to people. Who no, are that, that's, it's it's really true. And that's why I make yeah. the, the kind of flip thing of like, we just started caring about this, but yeah. it's, it's kind of fake. And it's like, and we care about it because we can market it is what, what I was trying to get yeah. down to. And I, I think those are two separate ideas maybe, but yeah, no, like if we can market health, then we can find room for it in our society. Yeah. We can have Karamu from Queer Eye just, you know, have a talk about it and boom, he's a therapist. I don't fucking know. I was Uh, just talking shit on him the other day. That is so funny. I make fun of his, like, because I'm slowly going bald, but I don't have any issues with it. (laughs) He does. He definitely uh, foundations his head. I'm like, sir. Less. He foundations his head. Less. <laughs> you know what? Like, who am I or to more, Whatever. You do you? My issue with him is uh, darker than that. He because he was on the real world Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like I was literally just talking to a friend of mine the other day because I remembered him being really horrible on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like couldn't find information to back that up on the internet. And my my friend who was over was like, "Oh yeah, he was like really like really against um like the black." guy and the white woman or the white woman or whatever like he was like really really against interracial dating and he was he was just like 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 he was hard he was it's hard to watch on that show so i just find it so funny that now he's like rebranded himself to be this like guru of Mm -hmm. tolerance love and acceptance it's just like all right you (laughs) you can do what you do you don't do any real work on that show uh so let's go back into the art a little bit uh sorry sorry no 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 (laughs) It's like, yeah, okay. I got, <laughs> I got MK coming on here talking. <laughs> That's great. So, so can you walk through some of that that the overall process? And I know that each project, each work is mm-hmm. going to be different, obviously. But in general terms, what's that overall process kind of look like? And describe your 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 approach and maybe sure. some of that stuff around like decision making and editing. Oh, sure. Um, okay, that's a really good question. It is different project to project because I work in so many. Um, different ways but i would say okay so like i was working in this this mixed media way for a while where i was doing sort of like some digital painting or i would do like digital 
um, what I was calling like digital color blocking. So just really general shapes, like just general patches of color or just like under essentially like digital underpainting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually when I lived in Baltimore, I worked for a, like a company that made, um, wall decor and graphics and stuff. And then I was like, like the creative director of, of another company that did that, that company folded. And I got this like really great industrial printer, this like billboard style printer, nice. um, as sort of the buyout for that. So I started just like messing with it a little, uh, and seeing what I could do. So I would do this digital stuff. I would print it on canvas or, um, you know, like archival papers and stuff. And I was doing this sort of reverse engineering of paintings where I would use, uh, corrosive, um, chemicals that sounds more extreme than it is, but really like, you know, like, like nail polish remover and bleach and things that would play with and, um, manipulate those digital pigments. And they, I found that they worked sort of like watercolors when you did that. So I could like, um, sort of sketch with it in the digital pigment. And, uh, then what I would do after I had like a good sort of underpainting or sketch is I would paint with acrylics or sometimes oils or other things, um, over top of that to create like the final image. So that was my thing for years. And I've kind of moved away from that in the past year. Um, and for a couple of reasons, one, I don't think, I just don't think people got it. Like I thought it was really cool. (laughs) And some people thought it was really cool. And I just kind of got tired of explaining myself (laughs) and like, I got some, some shit for it. Like, you know, there were people that were like, you're just a digital painter. You're just like covering over whatever, whatever. And I was just like, okay. I mean, I I know that's not true, but that's, everybody's going to have an opinion on what you're doing. Right. Um, and I get it. Like there's, you know, in the world of like digital manipulation, it's very easy to like run, run a scam if you want to, but, uh, it just got, I also just sort of felt like I kind of took that as far as it could go. And I got really, I figured that out and I'm, I'm a tinkerer and I'm someone who really enjoys learning and enjoys like experimentation Mm -hmm. in my work. And so that felt like, okay, I'm kind of, I can close this chapter. You know, I know how to do this. I think the people who got it really loved it. And like the pieces I sold, the people seemed to really enjoy. Um, but like, it was harder to, it was like, you know, I, I have some galleries that are fantastic that really loved it and like would go to bat for it. And, but it was like kind of a harder sell for more traditional fine art spaces because the digital work is still, um, still sort of struggles to be taken as seriously in the art world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, silly but you know that's just how it is and um I now paint pretty conventionally like when I am painting painting I'm mostly an acrylic painter so I paint on wood panel gesso boards or canvas usually wood panel or gesso boards um but I also really love digital art and I I you know I do a lot of digital painting in procreate on my ipad I do a lot of digital painting in photoshop um and that's sort of straightforward you know like Mm -hmm. process wise Um, but I, I do, as far as like, how do I get started? Like the things that, you know, um, the things that stay the same, no matter what I'm working on, uh, it's really like, it starts with a character. Usually, um, it starts with like, I see a character or I see like a story in, in a character. Um, and that, that realization really hit me at the beginning of COVID. And it's the thing that made me decide to kind of get back into illustration work is because I realized like, I think like an illustrator, I think like a storyteller, I want to be telling visual stories and I want to be like world building. 
And it's not impossible to do that with fine art, certainly, but I think I have more room to be playful and feel less pressure in this sort of illustrative way sure. um, than by, by feeling, you know, neither here nor there in the fine art world. Like, okay, well, my paintings, you know, I want to be more whimsical, silly, whatever. And like, there's a certain level of, uh, you know, prestige, I guess, that you can't typically reach um, when you think that way. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of, it's, it's like, it's like a dirty word to be an illustrator in the fine art world. It's, right. you know, something that I remember learning about at Parsons um, talking about like people like Norman Rockwell and um, you know, like in the golden age of illustration, uh, this idea that like you weren't an artist, you were an illustrator. Like it was a different thing than being an artist. Yeah. And really that's just because it was commercial. It's because people, you know, cause you had typically um, clients or you had like, there were, there were limits to what you could do. And it was considered like, you know, more lowbrow. And uh, I just realized in the past couple of years that I love that world and I'm comfortable there and I don't, you know, I don't have anything to prove. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love characters and I really like storytelling. And usually it's like, this is the most cliched answer, but like, <laughs> I just get inspired all the time by whatever, <laughs> you know, like I just, I see my cat and he's sitting some kind of way and I think it's funny or, you know, I see somebody at a coffee shop who is like a character and yeah. I want to tell their, I, I want to like make, make up their story. I want to like figure out what their world is. Um, the, like I just finished this piece recently for uh, the Corey Helford gallery and it's called reverse Medusa. And it's like a snake with a wig on instead of like a person with a snake. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's great. And, you know, it's very silly. It's very playful. It fits in the fine art world. It's a technical, you know, painting, but like, I just got inspired because I was like, you know, reading folklore and thinking about um, my own sort of like in in the, you know, folklore world, Medusa is sort of like a trans um, symbol. And mm-hmm. so I've been thinking, I have a friend who wrote, a, who a, a, who's like a trans artist who wrote this incredible graphic novel um, where the main character is a Medusa. And I was thinking about like me, me and my body and feeling... Um, feeling like I was getting to know myself sort of for the first time as a 33 year old, (laughs) like what a bizarre experience that is. So like it has meaning it's deep, right. But it's also the, the, uh, output doesn't have to be so serious. The output can be something that's like playful. I hope that answers your question. I am really, I am caffeinated tonight. Let me tell you. No, no, no. It's great. It's great. (laughs) And it, um, it does. Um, because I'm like thinking about it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you're doing something that's whimsical, and when you you made the connection between what Medusa represents in, in many circles, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that that can be a storytelling component. There just falls quote unquote on brand with what right, you described right, right. prior to that. Um, this is this is a short one right here. You like this one, I think. <laughs> you're like, this is a short one. Keep it short. <laughs> describe <laughs> describe your style in three emojis. It could be your personal style, it could be your creative style. Oh, God. Um, wait, let me look at my phone. Hang on. That's great. I can't remember. I can't like. What, what's an emoji? <laughs> what's an emoji? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> an, emo- an um Okay. Okay. I can be a, a douchey about it. An emoji in perspective. It's like shit. <laughs> Emojian. That's like in Lynchian terms or something. Yes. Um, all right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, there's just so much here. I'm looking through. <laughs> The emojis and i'm realizing how few of them i actually like i don't utilize this incredible library of visual imagery 
Um, I would say the smiley face with the cowboy hat. I love that emoji. I use it all the time because it's just so dumb. It's it's so. <laughs> Whenever I say howdy, it's the first thing that it's pops so up. It's so playful and silly. And it, yeah, so like there's that guy. Yeah. Uh, I would probably say the toy robot because um, <laughs> it's like childlike, whimsical, all that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, okay. If you had asked me this question uh, a couple of years ago, I would have said like the eggplant because I was doing a lot. <laughs> I was doing a lot more adult themed, um, you know, not erotic, but just like I was painting much more nudes and I was like, you know, yeah. Um, okay. But today, <laughs> today, it's today, a peach now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've moved from the very ass back. forward these yeah, days. Very ass forward. Exactly. Um, today, since I have clients that deal with like children's entertainment, I'm oh, going to say, <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I'm going to say, okay, the fairy with the blue hair. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That yeah. feels like me. Okay. Mine's is just three of those red demon ogre things. Oh yeah, those are good too. There's yeah. just a there's a lot to. I like the um. I like the the devil face, the you know the purple devil. Yeah, yeah, this month. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's up there. That gets used a lot too. Yeah, it's kind of like red devil, purple devil, and uh, bento box. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's just I'm always eating something. It's it's always oh, pre prepared meals. Oh, you know, weightlifting meals. That's what I'm doing these days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, just uh, fat. Um, so can you talk about um, a few of your interests uh, that kind of like find their way into your work? I know you're doing like a lot of client related work, but mm -hmm. the stuff that and stuff that you see, actually, because that's another piece of it, too. You're, you were saying like, you know, you might see a person in the coffee shop. It's like, all right, I'm going to write a story about you and draw, draw a story sure. about you, uh, paint a story about you. But um like what kind of interests and imagery concepts have informed mm. your process and your body of work over time? And like, where do you kind of see that, that going in terms of some of your more personal stuff that you might do? Um, well, I am like truly always drawn to that golden age of illustration style of art. I just love it. I just, totally. I just find it, you know, it, there's a reason why it became the sort of visual landscape. It's the symbol of like America, you know, um, because it's, the America that we were sold <laughs> and it's inviting, it's warm, it's like nostalgic. Um, and it's just like, so there's so much that is said in every line in that style of art. Sure. Um, like it's, you know, like I keep mentioning Norman Rockwell, um, which just makes me sound like the most basic <laughs> of all time. But I mean, I just, he really straddled the line of um, like, playful, whimsical, you know, all those words, um, and, and like caricaturish, illustrative, make-believe, but also based and rooted in reality. Um, and I love that about his work. And that's really the biggest inspiration for me as, as an illustrator and a painter is like, I want to make things that feel just above real, you know, like yeah. things that you recognize that you can, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not a conceptual artist. Um, I don't want people to have to work too hard at it. I want it to be like immediately recognizable and, and, you know, um, evoke something, some, some feelings that you're familiar with, but be, um, in their own world, you know, yeah. have their own style. And I think that that era really captured that beautifully. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, I'm just drawn to that, like that sort of mid-century 
color palette, that mid-century sort of um, like mid-century furniture. I just fucking love like the shapes and the language of that all feels like like a like an animated movie. You know, if you think about like The Incredibles is a great example yeah. of, of concept art and environment design. And it's all based in that mid-century like geometric, smooth patterns, all that stuff. I just, I just, oh, I eat it up. It's so great. Um, yeah. I mean, those are, those are the things that I come back to all the time. There's plenty of, 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 of other stuff. Like, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania um, and a big part of my like spiritual um, process or spiritual practice for lack of a better word involves just being, being outside, you know, being in nature. I grew up across the street from, oh, uh, like the Wissahickon, <laughs> sorry, sorry to our listeners. I just like smack myself in the face um, from gesturing. <laughs> anyway, uh, I grew up across from, from, you know, hundreds of acres of woods and yep. we, my sister and I grew up camping. Uh, so I feel very, very centered and calm and, and, you know, sparked creatively when I'm spending time in nature. So that's huge for me. Um, it's not, yeah. not the most exciting answer, but it's true. I, you know, i I always, always, always can count on nature to like lift me out of uh, maybe a creative slump. No, I, I, that thank you. That's actually one of the questions I usually ask people, but I didn't have in this group. Because um, yeah, because people run it, run into those all the time. Um, mm -hmm. I, I had one where I was just like, this is bullshit. What am I really doing? And I needed to leave Baltimore just to hit a different city that yes. had like just that had the culture that had like some uh -huh. richness there. And I was like, all right, let me see what this is, what they're doing here and all of that. And I just needed that, that respite came yeah. back and I was like, yeah, I'm back baby. You yeah. know, new sheriffs in town will have you know, <laughs> cowboy hat and all. Um, so the cowboy hat emoji always to be more exact. <laughs> always. It's going to be a tattoo on my ass. Eventually yeah. it's going to be great. Um, no, it's not. Uh, that's a lie. Uh, that's a that dirty, a dirty lie. Callback, though. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of callbacks, um, yeah. So you're based in Philly from, mm -hmm. from the PA, uh, and there's overlap. You, you touched mm -hmm. on a little bit earlier between Baltimore and Philly. Uh, yeah, totally. What are the characteristics of a vibrantly diverse artistic community? Because that's one of the things I read that is an inspiration oh, yeah. for you. Yeah, I know. Uh, what does it look bio. like? <laughs> what does it look like? What does it taste like? Give me, give me a look, some of those details. Uh, well, the past few years, it's been, um, you know, white, white toast, basically, um, because we haven't been able to, it's been like, saltine crackers the past couple of years because we've we've been we've been de deprived of our of yes. our interactions of our community um but you know we're making do and i have deeply mixed and complicated mostly negative feelings about social media and the art community there but i will say that um there are people that i have connected with all over the world as a result of instagram yeah. And um, people who are like real friends to me now, like truly people I consider a member of my community. It's a, it's a global art community to quote my friend, Sam. Um, and that, that has been a, a sort of saving grace the past couple of years. Sure. And um, I would say that like Philly specifically, or just, I mean, Philly has something similar to Baltimore, which is like a real sort of hometown, like grit, and pride and um i guess you could probably say that about any <laughs> any any city but <laughs> i do think that like baltimore and philadelphia have a similar kind of like chip on their shoulder i've said this before mm -hmm. and that's a way because because they get they get a lot of shit and they're not new york and they're not dc mm -hmm. um and they get looked over and uh sort of you know 
like like um nationally they're the butt of a lot of jokes all that kind of stuff but um in places like that the people who choose to stay and build something in a place like that are really magical people and so i you know i i I was only in baltimore for a couple of years but i definitely recognized that um and and it made me want to go home it made me want to come back to to my you know my community um and contribute something there and that's how i've been feeling like philly has this like this warmth um this really warm very friendly very like accepting and 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 diverse you know group of people making things um i mean what does it taste like i don't know like soft pretzels (laughs) (laughs) cheesesteaks that's great what does it smell like uh subway piss like it's a city subway piss (laughs) and mid-grade weed (laughs) exactly Exactly. yeah um it's a city (laughs) you've visited (laughs) yeah you've been here you know um no it's it's one thing philly has that is very special is the mural arts program i don't know um Mm. if you're super familiar with that but it it's um you know like i've got some issues with that too (laughs) it could be better run but it is a city that like built into our, our structure is public art. Yeah. It's everywhere. It is fucking everywhere here. And there are murals everywhere. And it's, you know, the murals are made by community members. They're made by people who live here. They're there. There's a, a, a real is a reflection of, of the community. Um, because, you know, I think that like some of them are just awful and some of them are just like, so some of them are very, very old, some of them were clearly made by like, you know, groups of students. And there's just this beautiful, like this beautiful um, authenticity is, is, is not the right word, but like charm to them yeah. uh, because they're, they don't, they don't, they're, you know, they're just ours. They're ours. They're made, they're made by, by us and they're, they're everywhere. They are truly everywhere. Um, so it's nice in COVID times too, to be able to like, still feel art all around you, you know, even when we couldn't like go to museums and, and go to openings and all that, um, to just like, you know, be able to walk to my car from the studio and see it or walk around the neighborhood and see it. Like that's, that's definitely been really helpful. Yeah. Um, like (laughs) of the two cities that I've been to multiple occasions that would be relocation options. Philadelphia mm-hmm. is one. Um, Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island is, oh, Providence is, is, cool. is, yeah. is up there. And New Orleans is my number one seed. Um, yeah. And the the Philly and the New Orleans thing is just like, they're just, they're, they remind me of this part of Baltimore, that part sure. of Baltimore. Uh, exactly. And, exactly. And literally, I go to South Philly to watch wrestling with uh-huh. sweaty fat guys. That's uh-huh. what I do. And... Yeah, that's cool. literally what it is. No, I mean, when I lived in Baltimore, I felt that all the time. <laughs> Every neighborhood I was in, I was like, okay, so this is the Philadelphia equivalent of blah, blah. Like, it just, there's, it's like yeah. a, like a bizarro world version of, of the other one. Yeah, it totally is. It totally, totally is. I have this running bit that certain cities are like portals to uh-huh. like just weirdness. And mm-hmm. Baltimore's one, New Orleans yeah. is one. I'm not, I'm not sure Philly is, but it may be. Um, and the last two times I've gone to the bear, I've only gone to Philly to have Frosé on a rooftop. That's the only reason I went. I didn't know. It was like Made in America. I was like, fuck is this shit? I was like, oh, oh Made in America. I was like, eh, I, got, I got things to do. I got, I got yeah. Frosé related things to deal with. <laughs> um, so that would have been like, what, Labor Day weekend or Memorial Day weekend? Yeah. I think this is, I think Memorial this is, Day. uh, Memorial Day. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. On the parkway, like by the art museum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would avoid that at all costs, but oh. you know, I, 
I live here, so I'm I'm not fucking with those kind of crowds. You know how it is, and just of um, course. You know, gotta, gotta get your spizz on. Uh, so <laughs> I got two more questions before I get to these rapid fire ones, and these will yeah. be these will be these will be quick questions. This is one that's ridiculous, and it has something to do with a post that you made because I can oh, see no. that you were rallying against uh, Instagram's bullshit. I can see that. Oh, I do that all the time. It, it was, just, I scream into the void on Instagram all the time, and it never yields me any results. It, it was it was one that I was like, you know what? That's that catches my attention, but also. You have a point. Like, I read the whole thing or what have you. Um, So I find that artists sometimes are intentional about what they wear. And and sometimes others just go with the flow. I see a lot Mm -hmm. of Carhartt hats and a lot (laughs) of overalls. What is your, like, cartoon attire? What is your, like, everyday attire? What would that look like for you? So, very quick little anecdote. I just updated my Memoji. Uh-huh. Um, on Snapchat because a friend of mine just got Snapchat and I hurt my ankles running the other day. So I've been kind of like laid up and it was like perfect time for me to update <laughs> the Memoji, Memoji, whatever. Um, so I just answered this question in IRL. I just had to figure this out. Okay. So I have found that as I have, um, like transitioned from a cis person to uh, not a cis person anymore. Yeah. Um, my clothing has actually gotten much more solids, like much more, much more basics. Yeah. And I think that that's because like the more comfortable I am inhabiting the body that I have sure. and the less I'm trying to overcompensate or like present a certain kind of way, the more I feel like that's like, it's, it's a simpler, more streamlined process. So um, I'm definitely like, I, I, I used to wear like, you know, all kinds of fun patterns and like, you know, much more like femme stuff, much more, um, you know, like over the top, eye catching sequins, glittery, girly, whatever. And now that's not really the case, but like, I, I, the one thing I will say is that I don't really wear black. I, I realized this, I have like one black sweater and it was a gift for my partner's mom and I do wear it, yeah. but I'm just not drawn to it. So I, I mean, what I'm wearing right now is like, you know, forget this t-shirt ignore that (laughs) um what i'm wearing right now is like this is this is sort of sort of a um a staple for me it's like a big chunky knit sweater that i'm just describing it for our audio it's an audio medium yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh it's like different color blocked you know like sort of cool pastel so i still i still like color and i still like vibrancy um i think that like my work and the way that i look like most artists is connected sure. it's just much more streamlined and simple so i like you know simple simpler shapes um yeah <laughs> and it, it looks it looks super comfortable so that's another oh, piece of that. yeah um <laughs> I, i'll say i always wear carhartt because i'm continually working on myself and uh i like that i still offer someone else um <laughs> but also i'm trying to fit in but yeah carhartt's just comfortable it's like i can oh, get totally. my i can get my moves in there and it's no issues <laughs> And I, you know, you know, people talk about, you know, contour and I'm doing my own version of it. It's just like, I look like a box. I just like a giant box. So I also, I kind of love what's happening in, in fashion right now. I like that COVID has made, um, silhouettes and styles much more, much more like sort of like a, um, gender new, it's much more like gender neutral. It's much less sort of like, um, sexual is is the word that comes to mind but mm-hmm. that's that's not really the right word either but just it's just more neutrals more basics more like yeah. simple shapes that could kind of work on anybody yeah. um and comfort has become a much bigger thing you know that's that's got to be a covid related thing absolutely um, and i and i i think that there's still plenty of room for self expression in there yeah. um but i do love that i personally feel much less uh 
I don't know, internalized pressure to like keep it fresh all the time or to like make some, some, you know, big statement or be uncomfortable. Um, and I, and before the pandemic, I, you know, I was much more interested in that kind of stuff and I'm glad we're moving towards comfort. <laughs> totally. I, uh, had an interview with a designer from Under Armour and I, I was telling him, I was like, man, this is your fault. Making the clothes so damn comfortable and fashionable. <laughs> now, I, literally when I go on back to work, I, I can't fit any of my clothing now. It's like, I'm, yeah. I've lost weight actually versus mm-hmm. gaining. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have a warped perception because all I've been wearing is Under Armour leggings for like the oh, last yeah. two years. Yeah. yeah and yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm working out and it's like, yeah, I might do a show later. It's like, you smell like ass actually. What have you been doing? <laughs> like, what, what is this? I think it's also this sort of like almost futuristic, but not, not like, not like the Jetson shiny futuristic, but sure. the like sort of str- like neutral, like, you know, like, um, like almost post-apocalyptic wear of yeah. like what would be most efficient in a crisis. Like that's how we're dressing right yeah. now <laughs> because we are in one and we need to consider these things. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> the last real question I have before I get to these rapid fire mm-hmm. ones, um, so you, you've got like a vast, diverse range of skills. Like you, you, you're focusing in a couple of areas right now, but you, you got a lot of experience and you got some dope clients that include Titmouse Animation, Universal mm-hmm. Studios, Special Olympics. Tell me about any interesting experience you've had with a client. You don't have to name the client, obviously, oh, but any interesting <laughs> thing that comes up is like, yo, we killed a guy. He's like, excuse no, me. Uh, <clears throat> I, I was just telling the story too. Do I want to tell the story? There's kind of no way to tell the story without naming the person and i i don't care because they're like so famous that this person's like never going to be on my radar but um i just i got told (laughs) i got told by a very wealthy um okay i'm just gonna say it because like yolo this person's not listening to the podcast okay Grimes's team told me that $600 was an unreasonable amount of money for two full days of painting <laughs> driving to New York city from Philadelphia. Yeah. That's the one that's just like fresh in my resentment file. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, wow. I, I was just talking to a friend of mine and I don't need to like, I don't need to open up that can of worms necessarily, no, totally. but the, only, the reason I bring it up is because I do think that transparency is something that's still lacking in this conver- in the conversation amongst creatives. Mm-hmm. I think that to bring it back to social media, um, you know, s- people measure success by all the wrong things and yeah. like followers or clout or visibility does not equal financial stability. It doesn't equal shit basically. And yeah. I think that, uh, and the reverse is true. You know, people who have a lot, my best clients are usually darling people who really, really want a commission or a painting and have to like save their money for it or like work out a payment plan. Yeah. Those people understand value. Um, and people that have a lot of money, like big, big, big clients can sometimes, not always, sometimes they're fabulous, but sometimes they can be fucking awful and you have to chase them down for money and like remind them to even, you know, whatever, like it can, it can, that can be a whole, that, I, I just, I want to like sort of, emphasize that especially if there's anybody who listens who's like up and coming or an art student or whatever like that you know there is um (laughs) there you will learn to measure your success in a lot of different ways the longer you're a creative professional and um other people won't necessarily value you the same way that you value you uh yeah 
That's that's totally legit. I'll I'll pull back the curtain a touch before <laughs> I get to these rapid fire questions. But you know, there is this degree. You talk about the resentment follow, what have you, and it's like, you know, at times I'm like, I'm not feeling the love, and it's mm. like, if this is the currency that we're exchanging, right? Yes. It's like I would want some of that if this is if this is how we're showing this. Mm-hmm. Not saying that I'm doing it for that, but if this is what the medium is, this is what oh, we're yeah. doing. Then oh yeah, hand that out and. You know, getting weird comparisons to other people. And it's like, yeah. I, I do a better and different thing than that yeah. person. And No, I, I feel that. And, you know, then it's this other notion of trying to get this over as something that's viable, as as uh-huh. even a medium. And people just think, oh, it's nothing that goes with it. Now, I will say the guest I had on before you, she said something very interesting. She kind of did a deep dive through all 208 episodes that are currently posted. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, you've had a lot of progress over this time. Like mm-hmm. your earlier episodes were good, but these have gotten really great. And like, mm-hmm. I loved listening to them. I love learning and your way of doing things. That felt really important to me more than any money, more than any likes. I was yeah. like, wow, oh, yeah. that's great feedback. But to your point, I and think to one of the points that – um. People see something online, they think, oh, that's what it is. You must be making a lot of money. You must be doing yeah. gangbusters. It's like, no, I'm eating popcorn and asparagus for dinner. What are you saying? <laughs> yeah, and even like, you know, again, if we're pulling back the curtain, this is this is something I talk about a lot with my creative friends, but like, I've worked with galleries that were dream galleries, and mm-hmm. I won't work with them again because um, I had a crappy experience where they just didn't really do shit for me. Um, I've worked with galleries who I had no real real knowledge of but had a great experience you know like so so even once you get your like you you will be shocked at how fast your dream life becomes uh commonplace and how like the goalposts keep shifting mm-hmm. um and that's good that's growth you should you know that's that's yeah. that's a great thing like it's it's incredible that you know like the the me that got clean seven and a half years ago would be fucking mind blown by the things <laughs> by, by what my life looks like today it's, it's right. incredible and that doesn't mean that I don't, you know, have days where I'm like, Jesus Christ, I, I don't, I hope I can like make rent for the next couple of months. You know, like that's part of it. That's part of the process. Um, and like people, you know, even within that success story, right? Like, okay, I get to show in galleries and I get to like do the stuff I want to do. Well, galleries take typically 50% of your money. So like, even when you see that good price tag, you know, yeah. or you're like, oh, you're selling for this. That means you're like killing it. It's like, okay, but consider what's coming out of it's that. Half. Consider <laughs> half and consider how much energy, time, training, everything else that went into yeah. this, like break it down hourly, you know, like that, like, so I just, I, I'm a real sort of advocate for transparency in this, in this area, because, um, I just think that more and more people who like see art online don't necessarily understand that, like, it's always a struggle, you know, mm-hmm. like it's always, it, it's always going to be, um, a climb, like an uphill battle <laughs> to get to where yeah. you want to go. And it's going to feel like you're failing a lot of the time too. Yeah. And I, and I think like you, you see these things out there sometimes where people are like, yeah, I don't, I don't want your, uh, what is it? Exposure and all of that. <laughs> and then some people who are like, no, I've actually made sales. I've had people come back to me. It's like, yeah, somebody heard me in your podcast and I sold some paintings. Sure. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, I think that there is like, uh, there's like a cost benefit analysis that goes into doing all this kind of stuff. Right. So like, you know, um, I, I can only give back what's been freely given to me kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. So like there are people in this industry who have really gone to bat for me and really showed the fuck up and, and, um, either personally bought my work or commissioned me or like 
you know, introduced me to like next level people. I've, yeah. I've, you know, I've, I like have a friend who introduced me to a gallery, just like a handshake introduction at another show, boom, you know, connection made. And then I started working with them. Um, yeah. so like that kind of stuff is invaluable. And if that it's access, it, it is. And, and like, so for me, I don't, I don't have any, you know, um, desire to like gatekeep anything from anybody. Um, yeah. you know, and, and when people ask for help, if it's within my capabilities, I want to do that, you know, like I, as, as much energy as I have to do that. So like, I think that's very important. Um, and there is something to be said for like, you know, for a community, then we need to help out and support each other while still valuing and understanding that this is also how we make our living, you know? So like, there's a balance to all of that stuff. There's definitely Absolutely. a balance to that stuff for sure. So I think that's a good place to, to leave on that. We have some, we have some gems that were being dropped there. So now <laughs> let's hit these rapid fire questions real okay. quick. Um, and there are five questions um, and pretty much as briefly as you can put it, cause that's the point of the rapid fire questions. Um, <laughs> uh, what part of the day are you most inspired? Morning. I'm a morning person. Yeah. Mm. Now I'm old and I'm a morning person. <laughs> I'm older than you. Uh, <laughs> what's the best thing that's happened to you this, this month? And this is probably going to come out in the oh future, gosh. but what's the best thing that's happened to you recently? January, 2022. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been kind of a rough month. Um, Shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, work's good. Um, the best thing that's happened to me this month. Okay. This is just the first thing that pops into my head. But my partner got me this T-shirt that says <laughs> Susan Sarandon on it, and it makes no sense. And they brought it over today just to cheer me up. And like simple, simple little things like that, like that just makes that makes life worth living. So I don't know. I'm gonna say that my partner buying me this T-shirt that says Susan Sarandon on it was the best thing that's happened to me in this one. That's that's it ten on ten. Brought me so much joy. I cannot stop laughing about it. My partner gave me this new microphone as one. <laughs> There we go. 2022, yeah. off to a rip roaring start. <laughs> some of these love languages. Let me get some stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me thanks. Give me gifts. Um, what is one thing that you still have from your childhood? Um, one thing I still have from my childhood. I have a Run DMC shirt from like 1986. Oh, cool. Oh, like a physical thing. I was thinking like mommy issues. Um, no. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> <Pow>. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> no, we're running out of time. We can't open up that hole. Um, uh, something I still have from my childhood. Um, oh, I still have my Nickelodeon tapes. My like nice. my orange VHS. You remember those? They yeah, were, like, I do. Orange. Yeah, yeah. I still have um, several of those, like early Rugrats tapes and, and other stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love those. Um, what is the best compliment you've ever gotten? Oh my God. I have a buddy that holds on to a compliment that he got in New Orleans years back where he was okay. wearing a suit and a random person in the street was like, You're looking snazzy. And random woman in the street was like, You're looking snazzy tonight. I hope you get laid. He's held oh, on to that. I love for that. Probably five years. That's great. Um the best compliment. Jeez, Louise. I mean, Someone told me that I reminded them of like a more mentally stable Claire Danes. Wow. I don't wow. even know. I, I, I'm, that's not the best compliment I've ever gotten. It's just the first thing that pops in my mind because it was such a weird thing for a stranger to say. To, a stranger told me this. Yeah. I thought it was so fucking weird that I've never forgotten it. No, I mean, the the, the best compliment I've ever gotten. Um, okay. This, not, this is just because we're rapid firing. The sure. only thing I can think about is like recently Fab Five <laughs> Freddie reached out to me. 
Nice. <laughs> on Instagram and told me that he liked my work. I don't know. Just like stuff like that. You know, like people that you respect respecting you is yeah. really fucking cool. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the last one I have. Um, and this this is a can of worms, but also I think you can answer it in, the, in a brief way. You're like, uh, I believe in you. You can do it. <laughs> how do you manage stress? What is that one tactic or many tactics that you use to manage stress? Um, I punch walls. <laughs> Which is not effective, but also, you know, I hire a carpenter. Mm. He's a, you know, freelancer. Okay. I, how do I manage? I mean, I don't think I really manage stress that well. I don't. That's the answer. I do not. Yeah. I don't do that. Um, I, I, well, okay. So up until last week when I injured myself, I really get a lot out of being physically active. Um, That has of late been my stress management. Uh, running, working out, you know, just, just being very present and in my body and doing things that require me to be off my phone. That is really helpful. So cooking has also been something I've really fallen in love with the past year. Um, those are just times that are devoted to the present. I have a task at hand, anything like that, anything that's like, you know, procedural or like step-by-step where I have to focus on that, stay in the present and like, you know, not let my mind obsess or spiral like th- those things really help dope um so that's pretty much all i have but i want to invite you to um shamelessly plug telephone folks oh, want to check you out your work all that good stuff and thank you so much for being on this podcast oh you're so welcome thank you for thank you for caring thank you for asking <laughs> thank totally. you for being a friend r.i.p to betty white <laughs> yeah um well you can find me on instagram it's at m dot k dot cummins k-o-m-i-n-s um that's my main social media i have a twitter that i you know fart around on every once in a while it's the same handle um my website is mkcummins.com um and that's basically it yeah check me out say hi so there you have it folks um i want to thank again uh, mk cummins for coming onto the podcast and um for MK Cummins, I'm Rob Lee saying that there <laughs> is uh, art in and around your city. Uh, you just got to look for it. <laughs>